Welcome to Regenerative Spaces, a podcast that explores holistic and sustainable paths toward thriving in the fields of agriculture, education, spirituality, and beyond. I'm your host, Stacy Poliche, and I'm a regenerative farmer in Santa Barbara, California, with a background of three plus decades as a psychologist, environmental activist, author, and educator. Each week on this show, I get to chat with one of the essential teachers who has informed my own path and whose regenerative wisdom I want to share with you too. I'm thrilled to announce our guest for today, Paul Frazier. Paul is not only a personal friend, but also a renowned practitioner of various forms of Taoist medicine. In 1987, Paul faced a life-threatening illness, which led him to embrace the healing power of Qigong. After regaining his health, Paul dove into the realm of medical Qigong, a path he follows with unwavering passion and dedication. Today, we'll uncover the remarkable journey of Paul Frazier, exploring the wisdom of Taoist medicine, the vitality of Qigong, and the profound impact of holistic practices on our well being. So, without further ado, join me in welcoming Paul to the show. First question Paul. What do you mean, all forms of Taoist medicine? What does that include? In terms of the direct idea of medicine, we would be looking at um, acupuncture, herbs, uh, a type of massage slash bone setting, food as medicine, and my personal favorite and specialty, which is energy cultivation or qigong, both the cultivation of qi and also the application or the emitting of qi to help people heal. Beyond that, We'd be looking at other practices like um, martial practices, which is a, one way to, to protect oneself, but also to strengthen the structure of the body. And also um, the, uh, the discipline of the I Ching, which is called the Book of Changes, which can sometimes be used as a means of divination, uh, sometimes astrology, more, as a, more of a way of, of healing a life uh, versus healing a body. Whoa. Okay. That's big. And I would like to unpack that a little bit, but you said some things, Qigong. And I know that for most of my life, I didn't know what that was, but I also hear word Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, are those similar? Are they different? I now practice some of these things and to really great effect. But I want to hear what you would say to our listeners. Like what, tell me about the difference between Qigong and Tai Chi. We could say that Tai Chi is a form of Qigong. So um, it would be considered mostly to be a martial form of Qigong. And so um, Qigong is a very, very broad topic and term. It's kind of like saying sports or food or... um, I don't know, clothing. Okay, uh, qigong. Yes, is a general term. Sure, um, meaning like um, there's qigong that that has to do with uh, healing a person. There's qigong that develops martial ability. 
there's a qigong that develops mystical ability uh and then there are qigongs that um facilitate the communication between all other living things um the fact is that all of these have an overlapping uh, component to them so a person who practices tai chi will experience some forms of physical healing but it may not be specific enough to address a condition conversely a person who practices a medical form of qigong or a healing form of qigong if they decide to get into say tai chi or xingyi or bagua those internal martial arts they're going to progress much more quickly than someone who doesn't have an exposure or an experience of exercising the qi it's kind of like being an athlete uh you know one could be an olympic swimmer or an olympic gymnast let's say and they're both very well conditioned people and yet it's unlikely that each would could compete in the other's event at the same time if they decided to switch events they're already so well conditioned that uh, internally they're quite they've got the strength so to to condition for them would be much more effective versus say someone like me who doesn't swim or do gymnastics but would you consider qigong some of it the the, the building to be like weightlifting like hmm. i play this sport but i do i run for mm-hmm. aerobic and i i weightlift for strength is it like that where you're building subcategories within your system absolutely yeah yeah and so like one qigong let's say could be specific to uh, a liver condition let's say we can get very very specific and that would almost be considered like a rehabilitation exercise in the same way as oh i sprained my ankle and the physical therapist gave me these exercises Um, at the same time um yes uh cultivating qi and having an, an abundance of qi is certainly very helpful for one's health and then let's say i wanted to move that to a specific purpose i wanted to then take that energy and condition it to do something i could do it to um direct it to certain brain centers and then that would amplify certain brain centers and then a person's eyes would see in other spectrums you could hear other frequencies you could experience a kinesthetic response at a more subtle level um at the same time we could direct that towards martial ability and the person says okay well we're now uh condensing that energy in the joint spaces and cavities within the body so that then a small physical movement becomes greatly amplified and it not only gives a physical kinetic push or punch but it also emits a condensed part of energy which is Uh, being on the receiving end of that is similar to being hit by like a wave at the ocean Mm -hmm. Uh, and it could be a gentle wave that tosses you back or it could be something very sharp that feels like oh it just knocked me over yeah and i've actually had that experience a couple times and it's kind of cracks you up and it's a surprise because it's not regular physics i mean it must be but it's it's not something that most of us are familiar mm-hmm. with and if you observe that happening it it doesn't look real right. uh, you know i've heard right. heard people say oh well, god it looks like i just tuned into the pro wrestling channel let's yeah. say or something like that um, but if you're on the receiving end of it, it it's unmistakable well that's good we like that but i also heard so this is what is amazing about you because we talk a lot and you always say stuff I have never heard. So 
just this idea that cultivating energy helps you to hear things at another frequency or see things at another frequency. Because since I've been living at the ranch the last few years and I've been doing Qigong, Tai Chi, martial practices, I am feeling like I'm receiving more information from the land itself. And I don't really know how to explain that, but it's true. I've just come to accept it. And the more um, farmers I actually talk to, that's just a normal thing. They, they kind of, they may not explain it the way you're explaining Qigong, but they understand that. So could you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, the land is alive, as are all the plants, the soil, all of this. These, this is a, a, a living, quite literally breathing organism that in the tradition that I come from has what they refer to as Jing Hun, which means essential spirit. Uh, essential spirit could be described as if one believes in a creator, the creator has endowed all living things with some form of consciousness. And uh, the earth, plants, animals, um, all, of, all of these living beings communicate often through feeling, through a, a, sen a sensation and feeling. And so as one gets uh, more intimately connected with this universal flow of chi, aliveness, it's uh -huh. really just a current that permeates everything. As, as a person gets a little bit more connected to those things, uh, it's almost like learning a language. And so trying to think of an example, um, plants, it, in my own experience, plants, especially flowering plants, love to be appreciated. Oh. It's a very funny thing. And I know there are people saying, well, aren't you just imagining that you got a response? Um, and at first I thought that I was. And I would come up, up upon, say, some uh, a blooming tree, let's say, and just pause for a minute and really appreciate it and say, wow, you know, this is you. In my mind, I would say, you're beautiful. You're incredible. Thank you for sharing this with me. Not really expecting a response and all of a sudden to feel a wave enter my chest uh -huh. and spread out through my body. And it's sort of like, okay, we're communicating, we're talking. Right. And we don't necessarily know what to call that. No. And it's, it's a feeling, it's an experience. And yet in the tradition that you are from, that is a real thing and it's a known thing. Yes. And, and it gets to be more and more detailed over time. Uh, meaning that, um, I'm trying to think of how I would explain that. Appreciation for one part of nature facilitates communication with all other parts of nature. So let's say that I've had an experience with, we'll say an azalea bush. Okay. And um, the azalea bush and I are on excellent terms. We've become quite close friends. Um, the azalea bush, in, in and I'm going to put this in a very... Uh, I don't know, sort of flippant manner, but the azalea bush will put in a good word for me with the rest of nature. Um, and this happened to me when I was living in Asheville. Um, we would have black bears everywhere. And of course, the caution is stay away from, uh, you know, a mother bear and her cubs. Right. Mother, that's the only time a black bear usually will attack, uh, but be very careful. And I would have these bears all over my property. And I remember one day just 
out working on my property and walking up the side of the hill and seeing three little bear cubs about two feet away from me. They had just come out of the sort of a thick brush and the mother bear right there and nobody seemed to mind. Um, and I attribute that to sort of having this relationship. Well, number one, nature knows we're on good terms. I would never do anything to harm those cubs or even the azalea bush. Um, I appreciate, I think that they, I thought the bears were beautiful um, and they were all very casual with each other. And what I found was after they saw me that one time, they felt welcome. And so I would find them on my back porch from time to time, uh, wow. first thing in the morning. And we'd go out and I'd have tea with the bears. Um, and so this, the, the experience comes from, uh, a couple of things. I mean, one is the chi cultivation, but the other part is the, the calm that that ensues. And then there's a type of virtue that says, well, I, not only do I not mean harm, I actually intend, uh, to care for this natural world, this environment that I have to be in. And the essential spirit of nature receives that input and responds accordingly. I can relate. I mean, I've had experiences with plants and animals, especially more lately since I've been living on a ranch and really feeling like I'm communing with nature. And I'm thinking as you're talking about something that's become acceptable, which is a notion of vibes, hmm. you know, like somebody's just got great vibes. Sure. Um, is that kind of what we're talking about a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Um, we, well, okay. If we look at, for example, you'll hear people talk about the Schumann resonance, which is the magnetic. Who are you hanging out with that says that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, right. I was, I was that. in a coffee shop yeah. the other day and this guy said, so speaking of the speaking Schumann of resonance, um, the, the Schumann resonance is the measurable magnetic frequency given off by the planet. 7.83 hertz, I believe. I, I think there's a range in there, but as I recall, it's 7.83 hertz. If a human being is bombarded, even artificially, with 7.83 hertz, the person's physiology begins to change. Uh, the blood pressure will start to normalize. The um, circulation increases. Uh, the immune system begins to respond. And this happens within minutes. Um, and so in one sense, we could say, okay, that's the vibe of the earth. Now, as people give off, say, stress or aggression or fear, or any of those things, those, even if we say that's a hormonal response, hormones also give off a frequency. Okay. Um, in fact, there was a study done in what I think was Sweden where they used a guinea pig's heart out of the guinea pig broadcast the frequency using sound broadcast the frequency of adrenaline and the heart would beat uh, at least a couple of times and so we know that like there's a certain vibratory aspect to hormones or a vibratory aspect to human beings and so we've all had that experience where uh, say someone walks into the room and I'll, I'll use a negative example first where all of a sudden someone walks into the room and all the fun just leaves yeah and, and even if the person is not saying or doing anything and they maybe, who knows, that person came in, had a fight with somebody or almost got stuck in traffic or maybe they're just miserable. Right. Um, and it affects the, the whole group. 
conversely, there are sometimes someone will walk into the room and suddenly the life, you can feel it, a life comes in. Again, they're not saying or doing anything, but just by their presence, things have become enlivened. It's, it's a real thing. And sometimes we call those drains and fountains. Sure. And who do we want to spend more time with? Yeah. Would a drain really drain your chi? Is that what's happening there? Or, or does it all depend? It all depends. All famous, it depends. Yes. Yes and also no. <laughs> uh, right. Um, because, uh, say, for example, um, well, I had my second teacher, I've had four. My second teacher used to say to me, uh, before we would train each day, he would say, all energy is contagious. How would you like to infect people today? And so we know that we're always, our fields are always interacting. Now, one experience of feeling low energy could be, oh, I've, I've received a frequency that is not good for, for my body or my well-being. And what will happen is um, body knows that's not good for you. So it will actually close off the receiving mechanism of your nervous system, sort of seal it up in a sense, which means that your own chi won't circulate as well and you'll feel tired. Shut down? Would you call that shut yeah. down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's one way. But it's physiological or it neurological? Is, yeah, I would or? say it's more neurological. Okay. Yeah. And um, a higher functioning of the nervous system. And so that would be one experience if I say, oh, I felt really drained. I'm like, well, you didn't really lose energy. It just wasn't circulating as well. And then, you know, you oh. get home, you're among some people you actually enjoy and you feel, uh -huh. you feel energized again. And that happens a lot too. You'll see people become energized when they're around someone who lifts their spirits. Now, if I'm stronger than that person, energetically stronger than that person, then what will usually happen is the, the, the field around my body will neutralize that and I won't feel drained. Um, but it does take energy to do some of that. And so, yeah, there might be a little loss of energy. In, in a sense, it's almost like a spiritual immunity or an emotional immunity. So you take your, you eat good food, you take your vitamin C because yeah. you know that you live in a polluted city. So sure. you have to do extra measures. Yeah. So if you know you have to go into... Um, a challenging environment mm -hmm. regularly you or, or even periodically you might want to do extra practice sure absolutely and in and, and even even if it's even if you've got five minutes there are five minute practices that that can just help fortify a person um and sure over time living in a in an environment where let's say this person is forced to be continuously shut down or um or feels that they're forced to be that way, or is constantly having to neutralize things that are negative. That's it. Over time, can deplete that person if they're not um, plugging into that sort of universal force. It's in a, in a sense this idea of like it's like plugging in a cell phone. You can plug into the universal flow of chi through certain practices, recharge. We're good to go again. Wow, so it's energy that's there no matter what all the time. You don't have to be in a forest somewhere. No, no. It's, it's a little easier to access in the forest and certainly stronger flow. Um, but I mean, some of the best Tai Chi practitioners I knew were right in the middle of uh, major cities like mm -hmm. Hong Kong or Singapore or mm -hmm. that sort of thing where they were at least 
nowhere near them was a lot of green. Um, and yet they had tremendous life force and had lived there their whole lives. Okay, well, that's good to know. So it's everywhere. Yes. Just like oxygen is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it, and, yeah. and oxygen is part of it. It's contained within oxygen also. Okay. Yeah, Never it is. It is part of the yeah. A lot of the earliest Qigong routines um, involve breathing techniques more than movement. And then over time, people found that okay, with certain types of movements, it will facilitate the flow and also direct the qi a little bit more efficiently. Interesting. More interesting. Well, so I have been, you know, after I had a near-death experience, I was living at the ranch and found myself doing healing work and spending time in nature. And now I've turned my focus towards healing the land that I live on here. And it is an agricultural um, ranch. It's an avocado ranch. And I've been really learning new techniques and we call certain things sustainable. We call certain things organic. We call certain things regenerative. And I'm really just in permaculture. I'm starting all of it and trying to understand it. And I'm curious to know how would your tradition talk about that, which I'm talking about. So I'm doing Qigong, Tai Chi, martial arts practices to restore my health, which I have to a really great degree, and I feel different, very different. How does that work with the land, and can I practice for the land? That's one question I mm. have. I have a lot of questions, actually, if I'm honest. And how, how does that work with, with land, and how do I make help it be healthy? Excellent question. Um, well, one of the ways in which chi is directed uh, is through conscious intent. Um, and I often hesitate to use the, the word intention at all because I feel like, one, it's overused. Uh, it's, uh, I'll hear people say, oh, it's all about intention. I'm like, mm, it's partly about intention. It's one third of the equation. Uh, there's intention, there's virtue, and then there's cultivation, like chi cultivation. And those three things are very closely bound up. And so the land itself, when, you know, when, we, when we think about Taoist practices, we say the first thing we want to do is not just respect nature, but emulate it. And one of the things that, that when we think about nature or this planet, this planet is incredibly kind. And you'll hear people, I've heard people say nature is cruel. I'm like, not that much. Hmm. Um, not often. I mean, when we you think about like it always provides us with oxygen it can we have sunshine and rain um sure there are there are weather incidents but they are rarer than we think of course they're getting to be more common because we have upset the balance human beings and i'm convinced of this we we have upset the the natural balance and so the in a sense some of these natural events could be seen as an immune response in one form or, or function. I would see them that way anyway. Huh. And so if one's intent can direct chi and one wants to emulate the forces of nature, the first thing we want to do is we want to respect nature to the degree that we uh, copy how it behaves. It will sustain our lives no matter how badly we treat it. It's still trying to sustain our lives. Right. 
And so the first part is to bring that virtue, cultivate those virtues within ourselves. It means, okay, and this is very difficult, I think, to treat people well even if they don't treat us well. Mm. Uh, to, to, to give off a certain love and kindness and not expect anything in return. The land doesn't present us with a bill. Yeah. Which is extraordinary when you think about it. For all this land, all the things that the land gives us, all that nature offers us, and nature asks for nothing in return. And so as often as possible to, to, to emulate that selflessness. That's the virtue part. When we have the virtue part and we combine that with chi, we now carry that. We have resonance. If we think about... Um, the if one were to say is is there a goal of Taoism, uh, which almost sounds very non-Taoist to say there is a goal, but if 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 I were to say well why why are we doing this? The idea is we say okay there is energy and virtue that comes from heaven. We know those virtues because virtue those virtues are the things that sustain, protect, and promote life. Uh, kindness, generosity, feeding, protection, all of these things. Um, in, in in sort of in a non-discriminatory way to provide them whenever possible because nature does not discriminate. And then we say, okay, and then we want to acquire, have that, that virtue and that power move through us. Nature gives us that through oxygen and food. And then we say, then there's the humanity aspect of that which says, okay, my intentions, my movements, my breathing, um, and we, so we say the goal of Taoism is to harmonize heaven, earth, and humanity. We say when this happens, we become complete human beings when we can unify these things. People that I know who have approached this usually have extraordinary abilities. Um, they have extraordinary healing ability, extraordinary martial ability, mystical abilities, the ability to communicate with nature. When we carry even just a little of that, we don't have to be extraordinary. We just have to care. When we bring that to the land, that resonance, it's in a sense, we become like a human lightning rod. We pull that, that chi and that virtue from heaven and nature and in the entire universe through us. It, it only takes a little bit of it through us to have it enter into the land. And to answer your question, absolutely you can practice for the land. And the land will receive it, and even a little bit will do tremendous things. Wow, that's really cool and interesting. And, and probably long-winded. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I like those though because you went a lot of places mm. with that. Um, and just to confirm, what I'm hearing is that one's intention, even though you don't love that word, mm. um, it has a vibration. So meaning, yes. you can't fake it. And nature's no. not going to be fooled if you're like, Absolutely yeah, not. this is for the land, but really I'm thinking about, I want a new car yeah, or something like that. Yeah. You know, like you, you actually, it can read like your intention is in your system, in your yes. body and it, it has a resonance. Certainly. Sincerity is a virtue also. Um, you cannot fool nature. And that's the, the thing. Like, for example, uh, we, we've all seen this, you know, where like, uh, Animals tend to respond to human different types of states of of being with people. If a person's especially sad, angry, or fearful, a lot of times either, and I'm just thinking of dogs especially, they usually will be wary of that person. Sometimes certain dogs 
have more sensitivity and they may go and comfort that person unless the person's mm -hmm. in a state of aggression. Mm -hmm. Usually they won't approach. Um, and even if the person can fake a smile, adopt a relaxed posture, physical posture, the dog is immediately going to, now people could say, well, the dog smells the aggression. There's a, there's a hormone to that. Sure. But the hormone has a frequency. Mm -hmm. um, nature is not, we, you just can't scam nature. Yeah. Can't do it. Right. That was in an old ad. Like you can't fool mother nature. Yes, I don't remember right. what that was for. Was a, but... uh, uh, Mazzola corn oil. Oh, God. As I remember. <laughs> yeah. It goes you with your memory. It's not nice to fool mother oh, that's, nature. Okay, that's, that's right. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, it's interesting. So you talk about um, heaven, nature, and human, yeah, and nature. Does nature need humans? It seems to do fine without us. Yeah, but I hear mm. with some of the land practices I'm learning about, yeah, that in particular, um, Alan Savory talks about this one area that they decided to preserve because of these rhinos. Mm. And so they blocked it off, no more humans. And mm -hmm. guess what happened? The rhinos all died mm -hmm. and the water dried, the, the land failed. And it turns out the reason why is that when the humans were there, they would beat their drums at night to mm -hmm. keep the wild animals from their gardens and away from their homes. And so that the, the bottom line is that all the things the humans did kept things in balance. And you sure. take the humans out and it failed. Um, also, yeah. just in terms of landscape here, I'm learning about grazing and having just browsing human, animal, different kinds of disruption to the landscape is actually a really necessary thing mm -hmm. for this land to thrive is what I'm learning about. One, one, I know just a little bit about a lot of things, <laughs> so I'm just trying it all out. Well, one other, one other uh, purpose of Taoist practices, uh, which I, I really appreciated by my third teacher, uh, when I asked him, I was like, well, wh what's the whole goal with this? And he said, once you uni unify heaven, earth, and humanity within yourself, you are able to participate in the ongoing act of creation. Um, and I think that there is something to that. It's sort of like we would receive, let's say, heaven's wish and the earth's needs and deliver them. Maybe putting it another way, um, there isn't any living being that doesn't thrive under a loving condition in some way. Right. Um, human beings, animals, plants, soil, mm -hmm. um, if it is loved, it responds. Well, it's like you think about plants turn toward where the light comes yeah. in. And yeah. I noticed that in my work in education is that children know yeah. where the love is. And if it if it's the janitor, it's the janitor. Mm -hmm. If it's the principal, you know, they know. They, when I'm trying to think of that recent experiment where they had some school-aged children. Um, they had two plants. And the school-aged, one group, one plant was told it was ugly and terrible and horrible, like just treated badly, just verbally. And you could see the plant, and they were given exactly the same amount of water and fertilizer, and the plant started to wither. Wow. And another plant um, was told, you're beautiful, you're fantastic, you're the best thing I've ever seen, and that plant flourished. 
Uh, this is you can this is okay. you know Googleable. Well, what if about that's the, a word. what was that? The water, the yes. intelligence of water. Yeah. What was that thing? Yeah. Similar. That, that yes, water will receive intent. Uh-huh. Also. Uh-huh. That, so it's a real thing. Absolutely true. And so the yeah, I you know, always makes me worry about what happened to that initial plant that was treated so badly. I hope somebody brought yeah. it home. Well, if it was a an experiment, we can hope it did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awful. Um, now, you said something else about balance. Yes. And you once, when I asked, how much should I practice in a day, which you should never ask Paul that question <laughs> unless you really want to hear the answer because he always has an answer. But um, it was an interesting answer because it makes sense to me about balance. So could you mm. explain that? I'm not quite, I don't quite remember what I said okay, to you about Okay, well, it that. had to do, sorry, I'll give you a lead. The um, yin and yang and balancing uh, yin and yang and maybe just say a tiny bit about what mm -hmm. those concepts mean. But it just made sense, so then I yeah. couldn't even argue with your point. So if yang is is the sort of action-oriented in one way, but you could say that, at least in terms of practice. The yang says, I'm doing these things. Okay. Um, and that's really important right we say wow i, I, I want to get out there i want to do things i want to you know act this way the yin of it then would be putting that energy to good use and you'd say well how would i do that enjoy your life uh, enjoy the people around you spread as much joy and happiness as possible mm -hmm. um, learn to appreciate stillness i think one of the biggest um problems that we have in today's society is that we have this need to be entertained every moment a person can sit and they sit still and immediately the, you know the phone comes out or i need to, i you know i'm sitting there i needed something to read did you um you could have experienced yourself but we don't have we're not taught how to do that very well there is something about the the the, the stillness aspect of life and the enjoyment of life and um so I feel like that balance, I know a lot of people who spend a whole lot of time just I'm cultivating, I'm getting so strong, and then they go out into the world and they can't cope. Um, they don't know how to use that energy very well. It's like, well, this energy brought me such peace and tranquility, and now I went out and, yeah, there was traffic, right? You had to stand in line or, you know, it was cold or something like that. So we lose our ability to interact, to use that energy in a way that, promotes protects and preserves our lives hmm. okay was that part of what i answered i don't it remember is, what i and, answered and i guess understanding the notion of yin um and what that can look mm. like and it can look like sleep yeah and eating mm -hmm. and any kind of nourishing often still but mm -hmm. not necessarily but sort of like still behavior and young is that other doing acting yeah and if you have 24 hours in a day and you sleep eight hours a day and you eat a couple hours a day that leaves you with two hours that you yes. might want to consider doing yin activities which could be qigong, qigong meditation sure. any other kind of nourishing it mm -hmm. doesn't like reading is not a yin activity not usually no because this is yeah. where, you know, trying to understand what constitute, does sitting here talking with your friend? Yes. 
It does. If, if it's present, if it's if we're present with it and we're enjoying ourselves. Uh-huh. You know, one other aspect, it's funny, you reminded me of um, the aspect of, say, having a drink or having tea with somebody. Now, traditionally, we would pour out of the same bottle or the same mm. uh, teapot. Yeah. So the idea is we are both taking into our bodies something from the same vessel. And so the act of that brings us a little bit closer together. Mm. And this was in ancient times, this was what was considered to be a, a, an act of um, intimacy in a way of friendship. They say, oh, okay, well, we're sharing a meal. And, and traditionally the meal was all on one plate and we would all take from that one plate. So all of these, of course, now we say, oh, I'm going to a restaurant. Or, you know, the bartender fixed you something and me something else. Right. It's not quite the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's perfectly lovely. Um, though I would encourage people every now and then when they get together, say like, you know what, drink, drink out of the same teapot or the same bottle of wine or something like that. Well, see that, what that's like. That is then speaking to certain ritual. Yes. And ritual really has power, I would imagine, in Truly, your tradition. Yes. Yes. Uh, initially, even all of the internal martial art practices were based on uh, rituals designed to drive away evil. So all, Taoism comes from a, a sort of a shamanic tradition. So the idea is, um, you know, and I'm, I'm about to paraphrase roughly 7,000 years in a few sentences. <laughs> I appreciate so that. Please bear with me. Um, and, and any mistakes are mine alone. Initially, this idea of of shamanism, which later became Taoism, the understanding was there is a creative force. There's a creative intelligence in the universe. Um, we won't name it because the being is unlimited. And as human beings, when we name it, we limit that being and therefore it isn't that. And this is where you see in the Tao Te Ching, the classic Taoist text, you know, the Tao that can be named is not the eternal. Um, and so they say, not knowing its name, I call it great. And so we say, okay. And from that creative force comes the these elemental forces, uh, which are there are thirteen of them, um, and they are usually defined as the the eight trigrams and the five elements. And what we would say is, if there's any evil in the world, then then those we employ those elements. And by evil, we mean something that is life negating. Mm, mm-hmm. So it could be a feeling, could be anger or sadness, which can negate our lives over a period of time. There is appropriate anger and appropriate sadness, but over a period of time, it's out of balance. We may want to bring that back into balance. So we, for the anger, we could call in the wood element, let's say. Or it can be uh, weather forces or, uh, for example, dampness. Too much dampness can cause the body to swell. And so we say, okay, well, we need to bring in another force to counterbalance that. So traditionally, the, they had rituals that would call in those forces. And then over time, they started to discover, well, there's nothing quite so life-negating as someone trying to kill you. And so they started to adapt a lot of these ritual dances and breathing practices and so forth into martial movements, mm. which they, you know, and so Tai Chi, Xing Yi, Bagua, these are highly ritualized, they have highly ritualized forms in one sense. Um, the application of those movements is usually quite different from the, the practice to harness that energy. An uh, application I have learned is when there's actual 
combat yeah. or yeah when there's yeah. actually interaction and yeah. fight yeah, it doesn't quite look like application. The, yes, we you call have to, it. it's it's a nicer Sounds way so, yeah. of saying mm, okay. And you know, I just drove my palm through someone's forehead. Let's yeah, say exactly. Um, but there are nicer ways to do it too. We don't have to do it that way. But to to use those forces to apply them mm-hmm. to what we would consider to be a, a life negating situation. Hmm. Well, it makes me want to ask then. You know, some people live in the city and some people live in the country, but it's like, you know, there's so much going on in the world right now that's intense and a lot. And what, you know, I'm just wanting to know what the average person can start to do and how, what are the shifts that you think we could all make? I mean, whether it takes us you know, a day, a month, a year, 10 years, what kind of a path would you like to see us on? My own particular bias is to say, let's like learn a system of energy cultivation and practice regularly. Like experience that intimate connection of a force that promotes, protects, and preserves life. If we do that, we then will enhance that or recognize it in each other. Um, because we'll feel this, this spark of life, this soulfulness in each person. Um, we're not likely to want to hurt each other if we feel that in each other, even if we're not in agreement or if I experience that out in nature, well, I'm going to treat nature with a whole lot more respect when I realize this is a living conscious being that's out there, um, that, that has feelings that that is wants nothing except my well-being which is the great irony that you know we could mistreat this planet so badly and and i know i keep saying this but it and yet it still comes back with here let me let me promote protect and preserve your life Mm -hmm. so i would say that would be an excellent starting point and then then discover where are your passions Uh, for one person it may be I love nature and I want to cultivate with nature and other people say, well, I want to help heal other people. Still others, they just might say, I just want to be the best version of myself. All of those things add to the collective energy of this planet, which then helps our own collective evolution. Hmm. Wow. That's good. And that gives us a lot of options Hmm. because if we just get to work on being the best version of ourselves, that's enough. Yeah. Most days. If everyone were doing that, we would, most of our problems would be readily solved. Mm-hmm. It's just part of it is to remember what did we agree to. Um, there are plenty of institutions and plenty of educational things that will tell us this is virtuous when we know in our hearts it's not. Uh, greed is not a virtue. Aggression is not a virtue. Um now, can we say, is ambition a virtue? It could be if we do it in service. Um, and we could say, you know, aggression in a sense, while I want to protect someone who in this case is in danger and cannot protect themselves, let's say. Also virtuous. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. To, we need to re-educate ourselves through the language of feeling, I believe. 
Ooh, I like that. And that actually is a conversation for another day because the mm. whole subject of education and how we're educating, because that was an area of research for me. And um, I think that is due for a little revision, possibly, mm -hmm. especially the fact that finding out at this ripe old age that the whole world is in sold, even though I might have heard that at some level, mm. but I haven't actually been able to practice it and really get it at a, at a really deep level until I actually had a near-death experience, started doing these practices, lived in nature, embedded for this long. And, and now I know what you're talking about, but I don't feel that in a lot of the conversations I'm having in uh, traditional farming, conventional farming, that is the approach. That is not the understanding. Um, there, it's dirt and it's not living soil. It's not an entity of its, of its own. And that's just, I want to see that change a little bit. Yeah, I think there's, I would make a distinction between education and indoctrination. Uh, that's, go. that's one part. And I think um, we are taught not to trust our own experience. And yet, um, I find that the most refined people are those who, through their own self-knowledge, um, have truly established who they are and know where they want to go versus looking to someone else to tell them. Mm -hmm. And we're trained that way in school. It doesn't, yes. you know, your own idea about this, there is a right answer. It's a matter of you finding it. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't come from within. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a big one, um, and I think we will have to cover that another time. Mm -hmm. But I think for right now, I boy, I think this is great, and I think thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a lot to to chew on, and you know what I might want to do is ask for a couple of your top reads, short reads sure. for somebody that might want to know a little bit more about this. So I'm going to post resources, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks for being here and we'll yeah. see you again. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap for today's episode of Regenerative Spaces. If you found this episode valuable or thought-provoking, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll keep the conversation going over on Instagram. So join me at Stacy Poliche and share your thoughts, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. And before we go, your support means the world to me. If you have a moment, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us reach even more people looking to spark sustainable change in our world. Stay curious, stay inspired, and until next time, this is Stacy Poliche, and you've been listening to Regenerative Spaces. Regenerative Spaces.